the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Backup free at Bar- The following program is sponsored Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. Sometimes we say no to the Lord because we don't like the cost. Jonah said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. The cost is too much. It's going to cost Israel something. I could lose my life. It's an impossible thing. But by the time he's done, he'll admit that his disobedience was costly. And disobedience is often more costly. In fact, it is more costly than obedience. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today, Philip is reminding us that the cost of obedience is nothing compared to the cost of disobedience. Disobedience leads to danger, detours, and heartaches. As Philip continues in the book of Jonah, we're learning to embrace the call of Jesus Christ in our own lives. Yes, it may cost us something, but it will yield a reward now and for eternity. Here's Philip DeCourcy with a message titled, Headed in the Wrong Direction. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Jonah, a series I've entitled Man on the Run. God commissioned Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh, but he was having none of it. This was an utterly unique commission. And what I mean by that was that for the most part, not exclusively, but broadly speaking, the prophets of Israel, when God spoke to them, he spoke to them to speak to the people of Israel. But this one's unique. God says to him, you know what? You've been ministering to the northern kingdom in the court of Jeroboam II. Now, I've got a unique call for you. I've got a unique requirement I'm asking of you. I want you to go to your mortal enemies, the Ninevites, and I want you to preach against them. I mean, that's unique. It's challenging. They were vile. They were vicious. They were violent. This was a crazy commission. And Jonah struggles with it. It's mind-numbing, heart-thumping, spine-chilling in terms of an assignment. And I want to tell you, Jonah is asked to do something great. That's why you have this word great throughout the book. This is big, and it's bold, and it's unique, and it's unsettling, and it's urgent, and that is a challenge to you and to me. So God says, go. And what does Jonah say? No. He refuses. Amazing. Look at verse 3. But Jonah, but is a contrastive word, but Jonah ran. You mean he ran to Nineveh? No. He ran to Joppa and then took a boat to Tarshish. He went in the opposite direction. He's AWOL. He's absent without leave. He's left the battlefield. He's left the mission field. Now, let me just spend a moment on this idea of running from the presence of the Lord. Verse 3, he ran away from the Lord. Scroll down to the end of verse 3, and he fled from the Lord, or fled from the presence of the Lord. Now, don't make the mistake of thinking that Jonah thought he could outrun God. He's not that stupid. He knows 
Psalm 139, that you can't flee from the presence of God should you take the wings of the morning and fly to the uttermost parts of the earth. Nine times out of ten when I'm flying and looking out the window of a jet aircraft, that that phrase comes to me as we climb up into the clouds and, and, and I remind myself, if I take the wings of the morning and fly to the uttermost parts of the earth, even there you'll find me. Jonah knows that. He knows you can't run from God any more than you can run from your shadow or run from Ur. In fact, he says in chapter 1, verse 9, to the sailors, I'm a Hebrew, and the God I worship is the God of heaven and sea and land. Now, this is an interesting phrase. This is not a phrase to do with geography. This is a phrase to do with a call to ministry and ministry obligation. Let me just cut to the chase. When you read that Jonah's trying to flee from the Lord, it's simply Jonah doesn't want to serve the Lord. That's what it's saying. Because in 1 Kings 17 verse 1 is an example where Elijah goes before King Ahab and he stands before the king, but he says, and I stand before God whom I serve. And literally it's, I stand in the presence of God and serve him. And when you try to run from the presence of God in the Old Testament, it's the idea of being a fugitive to God's call or God's favor or God speaking into your life. You see that, don't you, even in Genesis 4 and verse 16, where we read about Cain, then he went out from the presence of the Lord. He had lost God's favor. He was on the wrong side of God's blessing. And so when we read that Jonah's running from the presence of the Lord, it's this thought that he's running from his obligation to serve the Lord. Now, for the sake of time, I want to ask a question. Why? Why didn't he evangelize the city of Nineveh? Why didn't he go to the Assyrians and preach repentance and redemption? Well, some have argued he's settled and comfortable. He's preoccupied. I like it where I'm at. Send someone else. Here am I. Send someone else. He understands this is a dangerous mission. It would seem, apart from God's supernatural protection, suicidal to go to that city and that people. But That's exactly the case. Where the finger of God points, the hand of God provides and protects. But he wasn't willing to trust the Lord on that one. Was it the issue of him being settled and comfortable? Was it fear of the danger involved? Was it a sense of being overwhelmed by the task? One man to a city of 600,000 who wouldn't blink before they'd cut your head off? I mean, this is crazy. It's not going to work. Patriotism? What's good for Assyria is bad for Israel. I mean, there are mortal enemies. Anything that helps them doesn't help us. So driven by national pride and patriotism, I'm not going. Maybe a sense of justice drove him. Hey, Lord, before we talk about grace and talk about mercy, let's talk about those sins that are relentlessly rising up to your nostrils, so to speak. Those sins that offend you. Why don't you just visit these people with judgment? I don't need to be there to announce it. Just do it. And there's this sense of justice. And often... When you and I look out on society or culture or people we work with, we're often driven by a sense of justice rather than a passion for mercy. But here's the real issue, pride. And often with pride comes prejudice. A thought that you're better than the other person. They're not deserving of that which you've received. Because that's at the heart of this. He admits in chapter 4 and verse 2 what? Let me tell you why I was so quick to flee. Because you're gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, the gall of this and the contradiction of this is, as we've said, the northern kingdom was in disobedience. King Jeroboam wasn't a good guy. 
But God offers grace and mercy and blesses Israel despite its wickedness. Jonah is the recipient of God's mercy. Jonah is a preacher of God's grace to the people of Israel. He's good with that, but he doesn't like it to go beyond that. He likes it neat and tidy. I want it for the people I like and the people that like me or are like me. And it's out of pride and prejudice that he refuses to go. This isn't good for Israel. We're a covenant people. It's interesting. The covenant name of God is found 26 times in 48 verses. And so Jonah is very much aware of the special relationship between Israel and God. And that's true. God has made a special covenant with the nation of Israel, and he's made it with no other nation. But here's their mistake. They've concluded that God doesn't love other nations like he loves Israel, but he does. And there's grace for them, and Israel's meant to be a light to the Gentiles. But Jonah had limited God's grace and God's concern. He was proudly nationalistic and racially prejudiced, and therefore his concerns were narrow and God's heart was broad. And if you and I are going to reach the great cities of the world, we've got to move past our biases, our cultural conditioning, our nationalistic fervor, and our racial prejudices, and be what Christ has called us to be, a light to the nations. We're to go into all the world and love it, regardless of culture and color. But you know what? Pride and prejudice blinds us to our own sin, just as in the case of Jonah, blinds us to the nature of grace, blinds us to the need of other people in all their hurt, and blinds us to Jesus' heartbeat. Jesus broke down barriers and ministered to all kinds of people. I love the story comes out of the Promise Keepers era when an African-American minister by the name of Raleigh Washington said this, when I was born, I was black. When I grew up, I was black. When I go out in the cold, I'm still black. When I go into the sun, I'm still black. When I'm sick, I'm black. And when I die, I'm still black. But I find that when white people are born, they're pink. When they grow up, they're white. When they go out in the cold, they're blue. When they sit in the sun, they're red. When they're sick, they turn green. And when they die, they turn purple. And yet they call me colored? (laughs) It's a good point, isn't it? But why do you call someone colored? Because of pride and prejudice. And it blinds and distorts and builds walls rather than bridges. And Jonah is dealing with that. And that's going to have to die in him if the will of God is to live and it's going to have to die in many of us. Gets us to the last thought, the retreat. You've got the requirement. You've got the refusal. And with this refusal, there is a retreat. But Jonah, verse 3, ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. That's on the coast of Spain. It was well known for its smelting works. It was a kind of steel town, if we were to put it like that. It was very lucrative, but very godless. Often Tarshish in the Bible, speaks of to the extreme west. He's going as far west as he can go. Instead of going 550 miles northeast to Nineveh, he goes 2,500 miles west to Tarshish. There was no holds barred retreat, an attempt to run from God. This was complete disobedience. And why do I say that? Because he ran from the Lord to Joppa. And in this day, Joppa's outside 
Israel's administration. This is a place outside of Israel. So he runs to Joppa on the coast, which is outside of Israel. But he doesn't stop there. He finds a boat that'll take him 2,500 miles further west. This is a shocking picture of a man who was faithful, who's now becoming unfaithful. And what's shocking about it is, when we come to this prophecy, it begins with, and the word of the Lord came. It's a conjunction. We've got a continuing story, and we know the background. Before this happens, Jonah is faithful, he's effective, and he's ministering the word of God to the northern kingdom of Israel and to King Jeroboam. But when we meet him here, he's faithful, and now he's unfaithful. He's obedient, and now he's disobedient. And it is a reminder, as Sinclair Ferguson says, that no past privilege, nor all past privileges together, no past obedience, no fruitfulness in service can ever substitute for present obedience. You prayed yesterday, but you got to pray today. You read the Word of God yesterday. You got to read the Word of God today. You repented yesterday. You got to repent today. Past obedience is no substitute for present obedience. And there's a danger you and I can fall backwards. You can go from being a faithful prophet to a runaway prophet. Galatians 5, verse 7, you ran well, but who hinders you? 2 Peter 3, verse 17, you're falling short of your steadfastness. I've told you before, I learned a lot of my theology in a kitchen, my mother's kitchen. And as a young Christian, a young boy, I'd just stand talking to her and try and get my finger into the mixing bowl. And I often learned a lot there. I remember one day we were talking about just the Christian life and going ahead, and she said, you know what, Philip, I remember what our old pastor, Pastor Hugh Orr, he married my mom and dad. He was the pastor of Great Victoria Street Baptist Church. And she said, old Pastor Hugh Orr said, the Christian life's like riding a bike up a hill without brakes. You're either going up or you're coming down. And that's the truth. I mean, Jonah was faithful, effective, productive, But you can meet him in a book like Jonah and find him on the run, reluctant, graceless. Remember what J.I. Packer said about this book? It's the story of a merciless man and a merciful God. But his retreat wasn't just complete. It was convenient. Go back to the text, verse 3. Notice that he went down to Joppa, but look what it says, where he found a ship bound for the port of Tarshish. What a coincidence. How convenient. It just happens. He finds a boat going in the same direction. Listen, he was running and the boat was waiting. And Jonah wants you to see that. That's why he tells the story. I went down to Joppa and there was a boat waiting for me, for Tarshish. And the point is this, that favorable circumstances, open doors are not always the will of God. If you're trying to decipher and determine God's will, make sure that circumstances is a way down at the bottom of the list as an indicator of what you ought to do. You need to be in prayer. You need to read the Word. You need godly counsel before you even begin to look at that. And then when you begin to look at circumstances, you better be sure that what you're about to attempt is in the Word of God. Because here's a man outside the will of God, refusing the Word of God, and he's enjoying favorable circumstances. Why? Because when you run from God, the devil will provide the transportation and your ship will sail on time. Don't miss that. Getting away with something is no proof that God approves of it. Enjoying it, feeling good about it, it all working out is not a sign of God's favor necessarily. Matthew Henry, the Puritan commentator, I love this little phrase, the ready way is not always the right way. Lastly, convenient, complete, costly. 
That's his retreating from God's will. It was costly. Come back to verse 3. Jonah ran away from the Lord, headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship, how convenient, bound for that port. Notice this. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish and fled from the Lord. In fact, Kevin Youngblood, in a wonderful commentary on Jonah, argues that he rented the entire boat. There's a Jewish tradition that actually argues that. So he wasn't just one passenger on the boat along with the crew. He bought the boat and the crew to take him to Tarshish. He was the only passenger on the boat besides the sailor, sailors and the captain. He paid a pretty penny for his little cruise across the Mediterranean. And he wants you to know, when he writes this, he's not thinking just monetary figures. And I paid the fare and went down into the boat. I think by implication he's admitting this trip cost me. And so can I add to my statement, when you want to run from the Lord, the devil will provide the transportation, but you will pay the fur. There are wages to sin, physically, and emotionally, and spiritually. And Jonah notes that he paid the fur. Donald Gray Barnhouse, the famous Presbyterian pastor in 10th Presbyterian, used to say, that if you'll run away from the Lord, you'll never get to where you're going, and you'll pay the fare. But if you run with the Lord, you'll get to where you're going, and He'll pay the fare. So important that you and I understand that there's a cost to sin. There's a cost to disobedience. Sometimes we say no to the Lord because we don't like the cost. Jonah said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. The cost is too much. It's going to cost Israel something. I could lose my life. It's an impossible thing. But by the time he's done, he'll admit that his disobedience was costly and it was all in the wrong direction. You'll notice, and we'll see this next time we're together, four times we're told here that Jonah went down. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He went down into the sea. And he went down into the belly of the fish. That's the wrong direction, folks. And none of it's good. Every step you take away from the Lord is a step downward and it's costly, and it's expensive. And we need to remember that when we're calculating obedience versus disobedience. There's a story told about a hungry thief who grabbed a few sausages at an open-air meat market and tried to get away with his booty and didn't realize that those couple of sausages were tied to a whole string of sausages about 15 feet long. And the guy's running through the market with 15 feet of string sausages that ultimately gets caught up around his ankles and brings him down. And he gets arrested. And yet, moving from the humorous to the important, when you and I grab at sin out of the will of God, when we move in the wrong direction, when we grasp at something God doesn't have for us and God doesn't want for us, we'll always come away with more than we think, and it's going to bring us down. If you're on the road that's headed in the wrong direction, you need to take the next exit marked repent. Save yourself some hurt. It's not worth it. Sin doesn't pay. It will take you further than you want to go. It will cost you more than you want to pay. And it will keep you longer than you want to stay. Repent. Do what God wants you to do. There's joy in His will. It's the safest place. It's where prosperity and peace is found. Get off the exit. And if you don't get off the exit soon, I can tell you, you're headed down a road in the wrong direction and you're headed for a collision with the wrath of God and the discipline of God. Because in chapter 1, verse 4, next time, and God sent a great storm. 
you enjoying your little cruise across the Mediterranean? Well, you better enjoy it because it's not going to last for very long. Not if God loves you and pursues you like he does Jonah, and I think he will. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time in this prophecy. We pray as we join Jonah on his journey out of the will of God and back into the will of God that we would learn lessons that you want to teach us about the fare we'll have to pay and the hurt that will come and how the enemy will work to make it easy to disobey you. But, oh God, help us to embrace the big and challenging call of God in each of our lives. Help us not to live for comfort. Help us to be willing to pay a price that we might enjoy eternal happiness and the smile of God and the blessing of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, if we're the running kind, help us to stop running today. Help us to turn back to the safe harbor of Jesus Christ. For we pray and ask these things in his name. Amen. You're listening to Philip DeCourcy here on Know the Truth. Today's message titled Headed in the Wrong Direction, part of our Best of 2018 series. Listen again online at ktt.org. Answering the call of God will cost us something, and that's true for us here at Know the Truth as well. Now, Philip, some of our friends might not know that while we make these daily messages available free of charge, they are not free of charge to produce. That's right, Wayne. Uh, Our ministry comes with a a price tag. Our our materials are free to others, but not free to us. And I think it's good to remind our listeners that that's the case. Sometimes we forget that we have to pay for the airtime on the radio stations. We've got materials we need to purchase uh, for the producing of the messages. And so um, that's just a reality we face day in and day out. And that's why we're grateful for those who have already come alongside us financially and invested in this ministry, a ministry that's changing lives. And you can't put a price tag win on the worth of a soul. In fact, uh, we just heard recently from a lady named uh, Christine, which is not her real name, who called us to tell us that uh, she received Christ five months ago after listening to Know the Truth in Secret. Uh, She said this, my husband and I are Jehovah Witnesses, but having heard the gospel through Know the Truth, I'm now a Christian. I listen every day in secret because my husband does not know I am a Christian. Please pray for me to not be afraid to tell him. And we do need to pray for Christine and others like her, that they'd be strengthened in their faith and that God would continue to use this broadcast to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ and help them grow up in Him. And so we're making an eternal difference, and your investment in our ministry will make an eternal difference too. So I'm going to challenge our listeners today to consider signing up to support Know the Truth. And the way you can do that is through uh, our Truth Ambassador program, where you sign up to give on a monthly basis. That allows us to build on a solid financial foundation for the future. It allows us to continue to expand from city to city across America because we exist to teach and preach the free gift of eternal life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to offer that gospel for free by investing in our ministry, and we'll be deeply thankful. And those whose lives are being changed are more than thankful also. Yes, thank you, Philip. Would you answer that call today and become a Truth Ambassador? Sign up to give a monthly donation of $25, $50, or even $100 a month. You can do that online at ktt.org. 
or speak with one of our ministry volunteers when you call 888-644-8811. And today, when you make a one-time donation or sign up to give monthly, we'll send you a modern classic that belongs in everyone's bookshelf. It's the book, Trusting God, Even When Life Hurts, by Jerry Bridges. Request this book when you give at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. Now, if you're new to Know the Truth, we'd also like to send you an entirely free resource. It's the message titled, Keep Calm and Carry On. Philip isn't skirting the tough issues surrounding our challenging times, but he's pointing us to Jesus for hope and security. Request this free CD message when you call 888-644-8811. I'm Wayne Shepherd, wishing you a restful weekend. And be sure to come back Monday for more Bible teaching here on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Call 800-517-3636 or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code WAVA. That's 800-516-3636 or go to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WAVA. 800-517-3636. Your story of faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.